Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for checking us out. Whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you have found the right place. This episode, I have another great guest. I've been extremely enthused to have him on the Elevate Podcast. He's a former college baseball player, the author of Parent Pep Talks and Mentally Tough Teens. He's the host of one of my favorite podcasts called Increase Your Impact. Go check it out. He's also worked at IMG for the Cleveland Browns, the Boston Red Sox, and currently the mental performance coach for the Tampa Bay Rays. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Justin Sua. How are you today? I'm doing awesome, Tyler. Thanks for having me, brother. Good. Pumped to have you. I've heard you on a lot of pad- podcasts. Extremely excited for you to share with our listeners. You've got a varied background. You've played college baseball. You dabbled in broadcasting. You were a teacher. Uh, I know also a missionary. And now with teaching mental skills and leadership and the things that you do, what did each of one of those things do to prepare you for what you do now? I appreciate that question simply because I think a lot of people, including myself, we could look back at things that we've done in the past and we don't necessarily realize that uh, even though our context has changed or, or our jobs have changed, we don't realize that you can pull the lessons that you learn from your past jobs, your past teams, your past experiences into the version of the person you are today. I think uh, there, there's a, a common thread in all of those things. As an athlete, um, I learned what it was like to be a, a, a teammate. I learned what it was like to, to learn uh, within the system of the, the coach's system. I learned uh, what it was like to embrace the boredom of consistency as you're learning your skill um, it, when nobody's watching so that you can be great when everybody's watching. I, I learned those things. And um, I learned that uh, sometimes confidence is overrated, meaning that there were, there were moments as an athlete where I felt really confident and I didn't perform very well. And then there were moments where I felt no confidence and I performed really great. And to not be so hung up on whether how I felt before a game and to focus more on what I was gonna do. As a teacher, uh, I learned uh, the importance of teaching people and not lessons. Uh, I, taught, I taught individuals how, how different everybody is and how uh, if, you don't, if they don't learn the way you teach, teach the way you learn. And I was, a, I was coaching during that time as well. And I think it correlates to coaching. If they don't learn the way you coach, coach the way they learn. Um, as a missionary, uh, I learned that uh, there's two things that get people more hot than anything, religion and politics. <laughs> and uh, I learned that, hey, you know what? I'm not here to ruffle feathers. I'm not here to shove things down your throat because no one wants to be have anything shoved down your throat. Um, hey, where, where can we... Uh, how can we build a relationship based on similarities? What do we, what do we both believe to be true? And I think that's where it was as, as a missionary and, and which leads into what I do now. And I think it's a little bit of teaching. It's a little bit of coaching. It's a little bit of um, where I'm not going to tell an elite athlete what to do, how to think. It's like, Hey, let's build it on common ground. Uh, what is your understanding of confidence? What is your understanding of slowing the game down? And let's start from there. Yeah, I love it. Well, well explained along the journey. Um, that journey did take you to the World Series this year. I know it didn't end the way 
we wanted it to. Um, enjoyed your podcast and the candidness around those uh, back in that time as well. What was the greatest lesson that you learned on the way to the World Series, especially maybe in this weird pandemic year? Yeah, I learned a valuable lesson. There are many lessons, many, many lessons. But the, the incredible value of embracing uncertainty and what a loss of a sense of control does to people. I think this pandemic, and we're not out of the woods, I think anyone listening to this understands that once you take away that light at the end of the tunnel from people, it'll do some interesting things to you. It'll cause you to second guess yourself. It'll cause you to um, uh, look within, meaning being selfish, less concerned about helping others out and more concerned about what can I do to help myself out, which is human, human it's, right. it's understandable. Um, motivation goes down. You might find yourself less motivated to do things you used to love to do. Um, despair can creep in. Lack of confidence can, can creep in. And, and this isn't just for the average person. This goes for elite athletes and coaches and performers as well. And I got a firsthand glimpse of what it was doing to all of my colleagues, to all of the players, to the coaches, to myself. And uh, that was a big lesson. And then, uh, then how do you combat that? What do you do to combat that? And I, I think the, the verdict is still out. I think we're all still trying to figure it out and stumble through and navigate it through and kind of run experiments on ourselves. Um, there was anyone during this pandemic who says, this is how you need to be. Uh, I run the other way because no one's experienced this before. We're all figuring it out together and no one is the guru on this. And, um, and I think, yeah, that's what kind of the, the biggest lessons that, that we learned through this or I learned through this. No doubt. I love it. I saw a friend share recently too. He said, you know, if 2020 was teaching you a lot of lessons, be prepared for 2020 to test you on those or 2021 to test you on those. Yeah, that's a great concept. And it made me think, yeah, how, how can I take what I learned into that next year instead of just drifting? Um, exactly. What, uh, with, the, with the race, uh, regular season, non-pandemic mode, um, what is a regular day? Um, I spent five years in the front office of the White Sox in Major League Baseball, so kind of, but, you know, we're over in the offices doing other stuff or the clubhouse is doing here and getting ready for game day and all that. What was a typical day like for you? Right. Um, yes. And so there, there's, there's the 2020 uh, regular day and then there's the, the, the normal regular <laughs> yeah. day. And uh, it would be with the Red Sox or with the Cleveland Browns or my time in the NFL or my time with CrossFit or WWE. It looks so different in my field, but uh, specifically baseball, uh, let's say for those who do not know, a game is typically at seven o'clock, about 7.03 to 7.05. Uh, and more specifically, uh, the players will get there anytime and staff will get there anytime from 11.30 in the morning, which is crazy early, to 2 o'clock p.m. You have a certain report time on when you usually get there. And people ask, why do people get there so early for a 7 o'clock game? What people don't understand is players need to get their body ready. They, they're, they're, throwing, uh, they're throwing sides or bullpens before. Uh, they're doing batting practice. They're doing field work. They're, uh, they're lifting. And even a lot of things like um, playing dominoes or cards with each other, which yep. was not happening during 2020. Uh, just other things uh, to mentally and physically prepare 
for the game. And so what I do, I'm usually there. Uh, it was usually there about six to seven hours before the game. I usually get there with the rest of the coaching staff um, after getting dressed. And then from, from when I get there until game time, it could be anything from team sessions about a specific mental skills to, to one-on-one -on -one sessions with coaches and with players to, um, to, to sending out uh, virtual messages to video to, to the players and staff um, just to observing and just being around and it, it very, it's very busy. Uh, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, front office comes through and scouts come through and a lot of conversations happening uh, going on. And then, during the game, I'm in the dugout or in the clubhouse and talking with people and players. And it's just this constant fluid um, conversations or approaches or talking to people about processes. It's just, just a lot, just this non nonstop. And so it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. They're never the same, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> never the same. You put well on the head. Which is good. Uh, Justin's podcast, Increase Your Impact, is one of the most popular ones I know with, with a lot of people in athletics world and, and beyond. Tune into it if you haven't. They're great, short. You can listen to a bunch of them in a drive if you need to catch up on a few. I did that this morning, actually. Um, how can others increase their impact? I think it starts with it with understanding and, and it's such a, a, a it can be so broad. I think it starts with understanding where do you want to what aspect of your life do you want to increase your impact or in other words, expand your circle of competence. Uh, it could be your and I talk about this a lot in your podcast in, 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 in my podcast where is it increase your impact within the own, your own walls of your own home with your family? Is it increasing your impact at work? Is it increasing your impact with your team? Um, and I, it, it starts with really looking in the mirror and saying, okay, how can I become 1% better? Uh, it's identifying oh, what are your strengths? What are your strengths? And then, and then what are your weaknesses? And sometimes your weaknesses that you, you identified aren't necessarily weaknesses, but they could be the shadow side of your strength. What I mean by that is uh, we'll, take, um, we'll take humility. Humility. Some people, they're very humble. They're very intellectually humble and, and they have the growth mindset. But what could be a shadow side of that is you can be perceived as lack of confidence. You can be perceived as a, a pushover, as someone who's honest. You tell the truth. You tell it like it is. Your shadow side, you could be perceived as a jerk. You could be perceived as someone who just is insensitive. And so there's a lot of these different things. And I think if you look at your strengths, take a look at the, the outer edges of the strengths on, on the, the opposite side and, and say, wait, there might be some shadow side to the strength that I might have. And so it may be starting with doing some work there. And, uh, and that's how you increase your impact by uh, cultivating this deep sense of self-awareness and situational awareness and awareness of other people and where you stand, how people interact with you and so forth. So I think um, that's where it starts. It starts with what you're, where you currently are and uh, looking at and how to improve, even if it's just by a 1%. If you start with yourself and, and win your private victories, the public victories will take care of themselves. Great stuff. Um, as you kind of move into kind of some mindset, I've heard you talk about failure a lot wanted to talk about it with you. I've heard you also share the analogy about fear and fire. Yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit about that and then also some of the benefits of fear? Yeah. Uh, a fear I, I've compared to fire because 
fire. Like, let's imagine yourself, you're out in the woods and, and fire is a very valuable, if not life-saving tool. Uh, you can use it to give you warmth. You can use it to cook your food. You can use it, obviously, to give you light. It can serve as protection for you. Fire is powerful. However, if you can't control it, it will burn you down. And fear is very similar. Fear with a lot of the, at the highest level with these elite performers, there's, fear fuels a lot of them. Fear of failure, fear of not living up to their dreams, fear of, of, of letting their teammates down. That is the very thing that propels them to the next level. They use fear as fuel. They use fear as a compass towards going after what they truly want. But I see a lot of people use fear as an obstacle, meaning as a barometer or as a signal that they shouldn't achieve that thing. Am I going to start my podcast? Oh, I'm too scared. So I don't start my podcast. I'm too scared to ask that person out on a date. So I don't ask that person out on a date. I'm too scared of looking embarrassed in the gym because who wants to try their best and come up short? I'm going to look like a fool doing that. I'm too scared to look like a fool or a failure. So I'm not going to do that. Or, well, but instead try using fear as a compass. Maybe that thing you're afraid of is a signal that that should be the exact thing you should be pursuing. Maybe your fear of starting that company should be, is a signal that you should start that company. That fear of being embarrassed, maybe you should go in and try it out. What's the worst thing that happens? You fail, you learn, you grow. Well, you know what? You get up, you try it again. Because anyone who's ever achieved something great they will tell you that they had to push through fear in order to get there. And I think a lot of people aren't willing to do that or don't even understand that fear is part of the process and failure is part of the process. And so embrace it, smile at it, put your head down and, and push through it. Love it. Make fear your friend a bit, right? Yeah. Um, what mental skill do you believe provides the most leverage for athletes to perform? Is there one that kind of sticks out or are you always try to bring, bring people back to? I'm very contextual. I'm very contextual, it depends because there are some people who, who have built the tools of confidence, uh, but they perform very poorly under pressure. They're not very good under pressure. There yeah. are people who are very good under pressure, but they don't have the growth mindsets, tools for the growth mindset. There are people who have great tools for the, uh, for the growth mindset, um, but they get caught in, the, in cognitive traps. And, 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 and so it's very contextual. It depend, depends on the person. If I were to say there was one meta skill that's kind of the foundational uh, thread that weaves between, uh, that's woven between them all, it would be what I taught, touched on earlier, and that is, uh, is, is self-awareness. Uh, you can't change what you're not aware of. You can't grow and learn if you don't even realize your blind spots. You don't realize uh, your strengths or your weaknesses or where you need to improve. And it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of humility to be able to pause and even consider where am I getting it wrong? Where are my shortcomings? It takes a lot of courage to be humble. It takes a lot of courage to, to develop self-awareness because sometimes when you dig into self-awareness and you really say, okay, I'm going to take a deeper look at myself, you 
a lot of times you're not going to like what you find. You step into those shadows, right? Exactly. A lot of times you're going to step into uncharted territory that is going to be scary. And you're going to look back and it's going to, it's going to push back on or provide evidence of some of your deeply held beliefs and maybe your identity and maybe your ego. And it's not a place where a lot of people are, are in blissful ignorance and they're happy because they don't know what they don't know. But if you take the time to go to people who you trust to give you some feedback, to shine a light on your blind spots, to enhance your awareness, that's where the work truly starts. But a lot of people aren't ready to do that. And, um, and again, you can't change what you're not aware of. And I think that's the skill. And uh, it, it, it starts with asking yourself effective questions. Um, one of my favorite axioms is if you want better answers, start asking yourself better questions. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts at, for a more practical uh, example is, uh, is something like if I were to ask your audience, um, what is something, an easy question to answer is, what's something that people are wrong about? What's something that people are wrong about? Anyone could give you an answer. Any, oh, this group of people are wrong about this. They're wrong about that. That's easy. A little bit more difficult is, when was there a time you were wrong about something? It's going to cause you to pause a little bit. Oh, I was probably wrong about this. I was wrong about this. And in hindsight, but a more difficult question that will require uh, you to really check yourself is, what are you wrong about right now? And that's where you're like, wait a minute, I, I'm not wrong about anything right now. <laughs> well, no, you are myself as well. And so constantly calibrating your confidence about the things that you hold near and dear to your heart. I think uh, it's, it's very easy to, to po- try to poke holes in others' beliefs and, and we will defend our own beliefs, but it's very, we don't take time to put our own beliefs under the microscope or to poke yeah. holes in our own current beliefs. And I think it, in order to truly, truly grow, you need to do that quite often, constantly update your information. I, I think that's great. I think the, I think the better questions, you know, we get a better, better pathway. So, um, given this kind of, you know, pandemic situation a lot of athletes are in with sometimes schedules being paused delayed and and all these things that student athletes and athletes are going through is there one or two skills while they might have some downtime or or they're by themselves more often a mental skill that you'd recommend they could work on yeah there could be there could be a lot i think it's a this is a very simple practical one very very simple one and it's one where you're like, you think you hear it, you're like, well, what, what possible, how can that help? Uh, but it's, it's subtle. One of the most popular phrases that you'll hear a coach or hear a parent say, or you go to you open up a fortune cookie and you'll see it. And it's the phrase, focus on what you can control. That right there, focus on what you can control. In a world where there is so much we cannot control probably now more than ever it is destroying confidence it is like i said hindering motivation it is poking holes and it's it's chinking armors of these mentally quote unquote mentally tough people which is okay we're human we're gonna have a human aspect to it however one of the things that can happen is we can we can 
get swallowed up in this oblivion of catastrophic thinking and focusing on the past and, and getting so mad because things aren't the way they used to be. Well, you're, there's nothing you can do to change that. Or people are so mad at other people, how they're responding to these things. Well, you can't control other people or they're so worried about the future. What am I going to do if this happens? What if I going to do, what am I going to do if this happens? And here's another thing, you can't control that. Now what ends up happening is we begin to focus on our emotions. It gives so much emotional uh, real estate and mental and, 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 and mental real estate to these things that we can't control. And it stifles you from being the best version of yourself here today. So here's an exercise you can do, whether it be once a day, it could be once a week, it could be once every other week, but to recalibrate your focus and get you back on track is to literally write down all of the things that are on your mind that you have no control over, write it down. And the reason writing it down is so important is because it's effective to look at your thoughts instead of through your thoughts. Sometimes you just need to put it on paper and say, oh my goodness, look at these things that I'm, I'm focused on. And sometimes you'll just laugh at it and think, oh, why am I laughing at that? Why am I allowing this to control me so much? And then on the other side of the paper, other side of the ledger is to write down all of the things you can control. And it's a simple exercise. And you are going to see that the things you can control is very minimal compared to the things you can't control. It might just be your effort level. It might just be your attitude. It might just be sending one email out today and celebrate your successes. It might not be very much. And so don't beat up on yourself on, on if that's a very small list. Just focus on what you can control and take it from there and start to build those little wins, stack those small wins and build some momentum and just focus on that. And as you focus on that, your, your, the stress level will start to get turned down. Your anxiety will start to get turned down and your sense of, of, of autonomy and momentum and confidence will start to go up because you're focused on that one thing, which is what you can control. I think that we say a lot is your three foot world. Imagine yourself rock climbing and, and you can't control seven feet out. You can only control your three foot world. Is it, however far you can possibly reach, that's all you can control. You can't control the mountain. You can't look down. No one's going to save you. You can't look down. You can't look, don't look up. Just focus on your three foot world. Love it. Uh, before we get into the last question, I did want to say and share that uh, he didn't talk about his family that much in this podcast, but Justin's a, uh, when I listen to you talk about your family, it inspires me as a dad and as a husband. I know you love the kids and the family, especially with your schedule. I love how you, you bring them into things. And his daughter's a movie star. You can find out about that on some other podcasts that uh, he's been on as well. But um, thank you so much for your time and all your insights. When we get into the last question, one I always like to ask is if you could hop in that DeLorean, that time machine, go visit 16-year-old Justin from your journey, what one piece of advice would you want to share with 16-year-old Justin? I would tell him, no one has it all figured out, so stop stressing. <laughs> nobody has it all figured out, like nobody. And even these people who we put on pedestals as they're this and that and so smart and so this, 
no one has it all figured out. Everyone is just, we're, we're no one, no one has it all figured out. And I think that's important to realize that, that we we're all growing. We're all learning. Um, uh, we, we, we're a work in progress. Uh, we can continue to evolve. Uh, don't, uh, don't compare yourself to other people. Just, just, uh, just, it's okay if you don't have it all figured out right now. You're going to continue to learn as you go.